amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hi, folks. Welcome along to this week's show. Thank you very much indeed for choosing to listen to Soundtracking, another episode where I dive into the minds of the great and good about film, TV, and music. Um, I have to say a massive thank you to this week's guest who got me out a little bit of a pickle when another interview timings got mixed up and um, so I reached out and asked if he would very kindly step in and he messaged me back straight away and went of course so I'm very excited to share with you this week's guest who I had I've got to say such a laugh at chatting to about music which I think you wouldn't automatically think of music when you think of this person so our latest guest on soundtracking is an actor a model, musician, who established himself in the mainstream with his chilling performance as serial killer Paul Spector in critically acclaimed drama The Fall. Oh yes, it's Jamie Dornan. And he's since landed a string of leading roles, including the part of Christian Grey, of course, in Fifty Shades series, and Nick in Untogether, which was written and directed by former guest on the show, the fabulous Emma Forrest. His latest outing, <laughs> very funny, sees him appear alongside Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamolo in this madcap comedy, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which I can assure you is an absolute hit. Plenty more on that shortly, but first, a quick word from my friends at Sofa.com. Now, when it comes to watching films and TV, I think one of the most important things that can enhance the experience is having the perfect sofa to snuggle up on. And that is where Sofa.com come in a premium brand that make beautiful, comfortable, handmade products. They are the perfect choice to help you create your perfect sofa. First, choose your ideal shape from something traditional to maybe something a bit more contemporary. Then work out the size. You'll find the perfect fit, whether the space is cosy or sprawling. And when it comes to fabrics, well, you're really spoilt for choice with hundreds of options to style things your way. Finding it hard to decide, then why not order a few free fabric swatches to match colour with other furniture or decor? What's not to love about your sofa being handmade to your specific requirements, especially for you and delivered right to your door? To find out more and begin creating your dream sofa, simply visit sofa.com. And so to Jamie. Barb and Star. We'll begin with a wonderfully silly cue from the film called Palm Vista Hotel, as performed by the cast. Welcome to Palm Vista, a Floridian paradise. All your dreams come true here. Every drink is served with ice. We're here to please and pepper. We love our clientele. It's a middle-aged nirvana. At the Palm Vista Hotel. The all you can eat buffet. Put up your food with fashion. Change your sheets here every day. Well, almost every day. Everywhere I look, I see official couples. And soon my turn will come around. A man must do what it takes to win his sweetheart. So I'm gonna kill everyone in this town. 
the spa is so relaxing. The ocean is aquamarine. I'm recovering from my divorce here. And the pool has chlorine. So get ready for the time of your lives. We're gonna rock your freaking bell. Are you ready for your soul douche? Soul douche. Soul douche. Soul douche. At the pump, it's the pump, it's the pump. I genuinely have to say thank you so much for Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar because I described it to a mate last week as Despicable Me for Adults. I loved it. I had so much fun with this film. And Kristen's a bit of a genius, I think, in terms of her physical comedy that she can do. And I love that she almost spreads that vibe around her entire cast, it would seem. But talk to me a little bit about Edgar and what the appeal was for you about this film and this role? Well, to be honest, like it was just the two of them, you know, it was Kristen and Annie and, and their brilliance and their, and their genius. You know, one of my favorite things in the world, pieces of art, offerings, whatever you want to call it, is a SNL sketch that Kristen did. It's Liza Minnelli. Oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And to me, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And obviously that, you know, beyond her sketch stuff and SNL days, she's got this incredible body of work and they're, they're just so smart. And, you know, I was kind of sold purely on the title. And like, even hearing you say it there, every time I hear Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, I laugh and I, or I smile and I go, Jesus, like, what is that craziness? Why aren't more films called something like that? <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't been too quiet about wanting to do a comedy you know I, I'd, I'd sort of told enough people and certainly told my people i'm with uta in la who represent all the big comedy people so i felt like it would happen eventually but i didn't and i really wanted it to but i didn't think it would happen at that level straight away you know i didn't think i'd be doing it with the likes of Kristen and Annie straight away and obviously unbelievably powerful producing team behind it of comedy titans of comedy themselves so uh, it was just mad you know i would I, I but literally i promise you off the title i was like uh yeah 100 i want to do this <laughs> i want to talk to josh greenbaum the director if you guys hit it off then you know we could probably make this happen i was like great listen let's let's do it. i read the script loved it laughed the whole time and i jumped on a zoom with 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 josh and josh and i it was that thing of I felt like I'd known Josh my entire life and we just laughed and laughed and laughed. Like it was, you know, usually set aside an hour for those calls, you know. I think we were on for like over two hours laughing and talking nonsense until it was like midnight here because he was in LA and I was like, dude, I just actually have to go to sleep. I could talk to you all night. Yeah, it was it was a really easy decision. Was the was the song and dance number in the script? It was one line. <laughs> no. What was the line? He skips across the beach in song. <laughs> not even, not even, didn't even have that much um, uh, information. It said <clears throat> Edgar performs an emotional song or an emotional dance. It might not even have said song. And actually, I don't think in any, even 
when I arrived in Mexico to start shooting it, I don't think they planned for me to sing it. You know, they had, I think they thought it would just be like, they, they had they had it recorded by the time I got to Mexico and um, with a professional singer or whatever. And I think they just thought they'd keep that in. And then it was alluded to the fact that I could sing a wee bit and maybe I could do it and, get, you know, give it a go. So we did that. But no, I, 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 I think on my second Zoom, once I knew I was doing it, he said something about, you know, when you, when you come out to Mexico, you know, and you'll have two or three days of doing, you know, dance rehearsals and stuff. And I was like, why? Uh, and he, he's like, you know, and I, so I didn't, I didn't want to act like I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> Honestly, it wasn't until I got there. And uh, I started doing this. I was sort of thrown into this sort of dance rehearsal. And I was like, hold on, what is this for? I don't even know. And they're like, you're a big dance number. I was like, I don't even know what that is. And I had to like call like, Josh and arrange a meeting with Josh and, and Chris and Annie. Go, what, what are they talking about? I said, oh, no, now we see that as this big, you know, um, emotional like number. We're going to take two days to shoot it. And, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Have you danced before? Like, have you had dance training? Because... Like, seriously, those pirouettes are pretty impressive. I'm going to say that, that uh, what I'll say is it's not all me. I'll say that... <laughs> Don't share the illusion! There's moments that it's me. But actually, there's moments where you're meant to definitely tell that it's not me um, for the comedy of it. And yeah, just before I do the spin, like, I'm spinning and I'm a wee bit off balance. Um, but I'm sort of spinning, and then it clearly goes to this like guy who was who's amazing. He didn't speak any English, and I just kept coming in and going, "Man, thank you so much. You look so cool. It's been great." <laughs> so I think he muster like, "Thank you." you know what I can only um, this is quite good because the moments where I'm being silly, I, I, it's not that I don't have an appreciation for dance, or I don't take people who dance professionally seriously, or I can't go to something contemporary dance, whatever classical dancing and, and, and enjoy it and really appreciate the skill but I can't dance seriously I can't see I, I can only take the piss when I'm dancing whether I'm at a wedding or wherever I'm never like sort of like in it like really I, I'm I'm taking the piss all the time and I'm trying to make whoever I'm dancing with laugh and I'm joking about that so I can't dance seriously so it kind of worked out well for me that the, I have to dance in this comedy and yeah <laughs> it must be like because I, I mean Listen, I love that whole notion of like when you're out and you're like dance like no one's watching, all that kind of stuff as well. But when you're doing something like this for work, it must still kind of release all those really happy endorphins in you and you kind of come away. Because it's it's just, it does, it watching it, it just makes you smile. It just makes you feel happy. Does doing it feel the same thing as well? I think so. I think there's, there's such a risk with any putting out anything like we all know that and you know we're on it's 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 very it's it's very easy to comment on on the doing but the doing of it of it is difficult you know and you're putting yourself out there exposing every artist can uh, 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 uh you know relate to that but with comedy particularly it's like jesus like this people might not find this funny you're really going <laughs> and we were so in it by that stage, you know, we're all so engrossed in it. We're all finding it funny. We know it's mad. Like, we're not going, oh, this is like totally linear filmmaking. We know we're like making something really insane here. And it's going to be divisive. And thankfully, the reaction has been monumentally positive. Uh, there, I'm sure there's naysayers out there. But for the most part, people love it, which is brilliant. And yeah, I guess it's like when I went in those, I, I was definitely having fun in those moments. And you do total freedom. You let yourself go. But like, you know, we're friends. Like, you know that I'm, I sort of err on the lighter side of life anyway. I'm not a very serious person a lot of the time. 
So there's a big part of it is just me releasing this sort of inner like silliness that I have. Yeah. But then you sort of finish and then you'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I let the world see that. Was that was that the right call? Yes, it was. <laughs> well, the gr- greatest thing is I felt like there was n- limitless, like no ceiling of how silly I could be. And then I knew that there wasn't anyone around me creatively on that process who was going to go, Jimmy, that was really silly. What are you doing? It was too silly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, um, it was such a freeing experience. Did you enjoy the singing side of it as well? Because you used to sing, you were in a band and stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was part of your world and it has been as well. Like, you know, sporadically throughout your career, you've performed, you've sung in, in films and stuff as well. But was that side of it nice? You no, know, I always say that I, I can sing as much as the next sort of douchey actor guy can sing. I, I think like most actors, uh, male and female, can sing. I'm not saying there aren't people who aren't tone deaf who act for a living, but for the most part, we've got this sort of former show-offy side to you, whether you want to admit that or not, the show-off aspect of it. You like to perform, that's your job. And I can sing a bit. I, I never wanted to be in a band. It was just one of those things that I kind of like happened and then we were pushed along a certain path and we're quite far down the path. And I was like, Jesus, I didn't really want, oh, gee, okay, we're on stage. I didn't really want to do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so, so I'm very reluctant. I'm a reluctant singer because I, I, I did it in a, in a forum that I was uncomfortable. So now when I just have to do it in the odd movie, I'm more comfortable, I, I, I guess, you know. The, the the thing with this was it's so hard to sing Edgar's Prayer it's a proper belter proper show tune it is it's big and you know the first time I recorded it in Mexico City I was really nervous I actually had a bit of a cold I wasn't feeling great and I was <laughs> singing my heart out um, but struggling to hit the notes and kept having to like transpose it down and stuff to suit my to suit my range and then anyway I did it and uh I did it a couple of times I was getting more and more hoarse and I was like this is actually becoming a real struggle now and then it, through the glass of the studio Kristen and Annie arrived and I said oh guys please I can't oh man just can't you know and they were there for all the right reasons you know just to be supportive and show love and care and you know they wrote the movie they produced in the movie and, and uh, by this stage they're good friends and they'd want to be there and it's great but it just piled on the pressure and i think i sang pretty terribly and then we um uh, millie and i got sent uh, uh an early screening of it uh screener for it and um we opened it up what's the link or, or just the song sorry not the movie just the song anyway and my dance and we watched it and it was all a lot of sensory overload as you can imagine having not seen it before <laughs> and then and then we finished it and i said to millie i was like my voice sounds good like i'm quite happy with my and she was like, that wasn't you <laughs> I guess I've become so accustomed to the the backing track of like this professional singer they had do the original track, and I was just not convinced that that was me. And then subsequently found out that I didn't really sing well enough in Mexico City to put it on. So then I re-recorded it um, at Real World Studios, Peter Gabriel Studios, where weirdly, in this whole mad 360, when I was in a band, we spent a week at Real World Studios recording an EP that never got saw the light of day probably for the better but we um we we were there we had breakfast with peter gabriel and it was all really exciting at the time and 
Um, and uh, those studios are amazing there. And now I do like ADR there sometimes for, for movies. So that's where I re-recorded it in, in fuller voice and I didn't have a cold and, and that's what's in the movie. Burning like my blood's in a pan on a stove and it's heating me up to the max. So I'm running my legs just as fast as I can to the left, to the right. I'm a frustrated man. Now I'm flicking my tiptoes to kick up the sand cause I can't understand all this fire that's raging inside me. Seagulls in the sand, can you hear my prayer? I keep trying, but I'm getting away. It's in a fog, I'm under a spell. Am I in heaven or am I in hell? Leaping, doing the splits from my heart, going higher and higher. My legs spread apart, now I'm twirling. Like a baby ballerina who's digging a hole with the force of his feet. Watch me climbing. I'm going up a palm tree like a cat up a palm tree who's decided to go up a palm tree. Seagull on the tire, can you hear my prayer? I keep trying, but I'm getting away. It's in a fog, I'm That's the problem with having a, a, a wife who's a brilliant composer and, and musician and that she's like instantly there. She's like, it's not you. Sorry. And then you're talking about kind of every, most actors have a voice and stuff. And um, listen, I, I loved Wild, Wild Mountain Time as well. And But having, you know, Emily there who, you know, talking about people who can sing, there is somebody who has got some singing chops on her. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we, we were at the first glimpse of that, uh, you know, long before Emily and I were close or friends and, and before we'd worked together, um, we were her, um, Felicity, her sister, married Stanley Tucci, they're very good friends of ours. We were at their wedding seven years ago and Emily sang like full on opera, like, like solo, like acapella, like unbelievable, like, I think she sang like Ava Maria or something, I mean, something insane and like pitch perfect. Um, so she can really, really sing, and it's really effortless for her. You know, she she'll claim that she gets very nervous. I'm, I'm not. I'm sure she gets nervous, but mm. that gets very effortless, and it does just sit within her very comfortably. Where I would have to really strain to get any kind of decency out of my voice. I love, I love that kind of. I don't want to spoil it for people because it's it's not out here in the UK yet. But there's a really nice scene at the end of the film that involves a pair of you on stage which um, people should look forward to for that one. Now the summertime is coming And the flowers are richly blooming And the wild mountain time Grows around the blooming heather Will you go, Lassie? And we'll all go together to pluck wild mountain thyme all around the blooming heather. Will you go, I see go? I will bear my love about by the clear silver fountain. 
good. I was just thinking about days where we've had so many directors on the podcast that you've worked with as well that have kind of really talked so highly of you as well. Everybody from Sean Ellis for to um to Emma Forrest as well. I loved I loved Untogether. I thought it was a fantastic film. And the way she used music with that primal scream track as well, I just thought was absolutely amazing and such a great, such a great way of of highlighting how an existing piece of music can, even though you know it, can have a very specific connection with what you're watching there's no dialogue you know it's just watching these two people you know meander down this road but it, the power of it was extraordinary I thought totally and I that's what I love that about music and I love that about the idea of people writing music and having no idea how it's going to be <clears throat> appreciated how it's going to be used you know and yeah who's to say you know 20 years later someone can't use this track that you had very different intention in writing or thought it might have a different appeal or maybe it did have a different appeal at the time and a different effect but then it can be sort of recycled into making evoking something totally different in people in a totally different environment and that's what's sort of amazing about music and, and and the strength of just a really good song film do this all the time where you hear a song and it's it's a cover and it's a, a, a totally different take on a song you know like famously like tears for fears at the end of donnie darko like I, you know, I remember at the end of that movie, listening to that, going, "I really know these lyrics," um, and I, I and I, I love that, and I, I the power of music in film is 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 massive, and obviously I know more about that now, being married to Millie than than I I would have ever before, but you know now. I, um, Conor McNeil, who you obviously know, who you've had on, um, and I have written this film together, and and uh, that's a, 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 mu- a music, a certain genre of music is a big part of our film, mm. and that part is so exciting, you know, like just exploring that world and imagining how that's going to be, how that's going to sit in there, and and what effect that's going to have, because that piece of music was never. And they would never, when they wrote that, have envisaged this backdrop with this song. And I do love it. It can have all these different impacts and different forms, you know. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces, bright and early for their daily are filling up their glasses no expression no expression hide my head i want to drown my sorrow no tomorrow no tomorrow and i find it kind of funny i find it kind of sad the dreams in which i'm dying say much about that project uh, Connor was really funny about it when we were talking um it's like oh yeah I've got oh, I can't tell you anything but um but just w- but when you are when you are um when you were writing it did you did you have were you did you make playlists or anything did you have music to kind of with sort of stimulation and with with helping kind of with mood and emotion and stuff like that we did sometimes we wrote it we wrote it during lockdown 
uh, we wrote, we wrote it, you know, like me sat here, him sat in London, our, our laptops open and final draft and like the collaboration mode and final draft, which is kind of great, but doesn't work totally perfectly. And only one of you can write at time. And then if you expire, cause you're talk, discussing something for too long, you have to look, like sort of re collaborate. It's quite a frustrating process. And then when lockdown eased a little bit, I was able to start going to London and we would sit, at, we have an apartment in London and I'd, I'd be, Connor would sit at one end of the table, sort of three or four meters apart and I'd sit at the other end of the table, um, but still kind of separate. And But at least we were in the same room. And at that point, we did start to listen to a, 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 a lot of music. Yeah, we did. Um, it made sense because we were together and f- discover music. And, you know, it, it is so pivotal in the movie. That, um, that was a great, fun experience, like finding finding music that we didn't know. And then when lockdown eased even further, he came and stayed with us here in, in, in the Cotswolds and we we uh, we finished it. Do you ever use, um, it's funny, I always sometimes think when there, are, when there are really kind of strong characters, particularly within, I guess, more TV than film, where you get to understand them or learn about them in a, in a longer length of time of kind of going, if it's not part of the narrative, like, well, I wonder what they would listen to music-wise, like like Paul and the Fall. I always kind of really wondered what was his, what kind of music would he listen to? What's his kind of musical taste sort of thing? Because sometimes that the way that that can be used in, in productions, can it can tell you so much about a character that no dialogue can almost in a way. Do you ever use that as a way when you're prepping for, for roles and stuff? Yeah, I have I have done that, and I've done that very specifically with certain filmmakers, and and with the fall with with Paul Spector, like Alan, did that make it in? I can't remember now. Did it make it in the first series where there maybe is a moment where he is playing records? He, but he, he he's, it, Alan had this idea that Spector's very into blues massively, and um, that was kind of his switch off from his head. Um, so um, I'm pretty sure Alan, uh, we did have a playlist though, or I think I got Alan because like always you want to be educated on everything your whole life, I guess you should be trying to learn more. And I, my blues history wasn't strong enough really. And so I think I got Alan just to actually make me a general, like, you know, blues for beginners type of thing <laughs> yeah. that I could then sort of incorporate into developing then for 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 specter um but yeah there's certain times actually emma forest for for on together uh she did this very cool thing at the end where, where she sort of made a uh a, a playlist for for a few of us at the end and, and gave us a, a playlist of all these songs that had affected the, the the writing of the 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 movie so yeah it's 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 cool it's cool that you know i have uh, the thing i'm about to go to australia as, as you know and and um, my character, there's a couple of uh, music uh, references. And um, again, I do have to sing, but only a week. It's like it's written in every contract now that you have to, must sing. He will only do it if there's a musical number. <laughs> I try to get the opposite of that into every contract. But even that, like, you know, I'm playing around with a couple of songs that I didn't know very well. I think music's always really close and it just will be close to because it's in everything. I'm 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 not gonna do a, a television show or a or a movie that's without music. I I I doubt. 
So it's always I'm always going to be connected to it in that in that way, and 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 I and I I love that about it, you know. And actually, I'm so excited then, um, because you know Connor and I have doing our movie, and we've we've uh, now started a production company, and we're building our slate, and we're acquiring all this all this material, and it's really really exciting, and a lot of time and energy, and it's brilliant. I'm learning all this different stuff, but we're very excited about them working with Millie on on stuff together which would be a bit of a dream. Yeah, that's amazing. It's that thing, isn't it, of being in a position where you want to you wanna generate your own, you know, your, your ideas and have that output of being able to, to bring all these worlds together and, yeah. You often don't even know what that is going to be as well. You know, it sort of surprises you, you know, and um, you can find that, you know, the, 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 without saying too much about our movie, that we wrote, but you know, that that's a sort of genre that I know a bit about, but know so much more about now that I wouldn't have thought if I was ever using music heavily in something I wrote, it would be that genre. That's where we set our story and it's pivotal to our story. So yeah, it, it's exciting because music is endless. There's, there's no, you know, there's people who know a lot about music, but they don't know everything. That's what's so cool about it. And, and it's constantly changing and we've been offered new stuff all the time and new variations of formats that we thought we knew about and you know and i love all music i think i think people who say they love all music you can either be that means they actually don't have a fucking clue but music yeah oh, i don't i love everything i hear on the radio it's like don't know anything about music you don't care about music <laughs> yeah. and then the I love all music. You really do get something from all music and an appreciation from all music. And particularly as I get a wee bit older, like in my twenties, I was quite cynical. I think about music that was like Radio One or whatever. Even though, like, I've tried to write music and sort of unsuccessfully, for want of a better term, in the past. I know it's hard, but I guess in the, in my twenties, I would have been like, oh, "That's crap! I can't believe why people like that." And why I totally understand why. Yeah that I thought was cheesy in my 20s. I know I, I get it. I see the appeal. I understand why X amount of millions of kids would, would get that. And, and yeah, you know, I say they shouldn't, you know, but I have an appreciation, I think, of all all music now in a, in, a, in a really healthy way, I think. I think it's really it's really interesting as well in terms of like watching my kids and how they react to music. And they don't, you know, where I was when I was growing up, it was the, you were into a type of music. You know, it was about genre and stuff, whereas like now, my kids don't really think about music in genre because they learn so much about music through film, through, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy having this bonkers soundtrack or combined with the score. I mean, they started watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air last night. and We were like three episodes in and Spike, he's eight and he's already trying to learn the words for the theme tune. You know, it's like it's all that stuff's just brilliant and watching their reaction to things. So I think it's really healthy that as you get older, weirdly, those barriers almost drop in a way as well, don't they? In terms of, you, like you say, you kind of lose the cynicism in a way. Totally. I also just love the idea of another person in the world knowing all the lyrics to the Bel-Air uh, opening theme, which I thought it was just like, you know, a certain generation, we all know the whole world. <laughs> but I love the idea that there's kids still working that yeah. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel-Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. 
chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I begged and pleaded with her day after day, but she packed my suitcase to send me on my way. She gave me a kiss and then she gave me my ticket. I put my Walkman on and said, I might as well kick it. First class, yo, this is bad. Drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Bel Air living like? Hmm, this might be all right. But wait, I hear the prissy bourgeois and all that. Is this the type of place that they just send this cool cat? I don't think so. I see when I get there. I hope they're prepared for the Prince of Bel Air. It was so interesting putting it on last night. We like started like we saw an advert for it on something, and they love obviously like love Will Smith, like Men in Black and all that. So they were like straight in, yeah, let's watch it. And it's also just quite nice and something that we can all watch together. And I was like, is it going to be dated? Is it gonna? And they were like just howling with laughter because he's so physical as well. You know, always kind of slightly camp dancing that he does, and oh, it's brilliant. It's so much fun to watch again. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna get the kids into that. Our kids have been. Uh, uh, well, the eldest has been into Sister Sister a bit recently. She started watching that, which is obviously not not a similar time in in in, in uh, like late 90s, was it that that came out? So um, it's a sort of time period, and and I remember watching it a bit, and also it's it's cool, and they, that sort of regurgitation starts to happen for your kids, you know. Yeah, listen, I'll let you go, but I thanks so much for for taking the time to talk to us, and maybe we can do another catch up as well when the um, Belfast is released as well, because I know there's music to talk about within that as well. So yeah, it's a, music's a massive part of, of of Belfast, and I saw a cut of it. I don't know about six weeks ago now, and it's really exciting. It's really beautiful. Awesome. Well, let's 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 do another one of these for that then, if you're up for it. Thanks so much, mate. It's so great to chat to you weirdly about work stuff, but um, thank you. Much appreciated, Jamie. See you later. Thanks. From the score to Barb and Star Girl to Vista Del Mar, that's Vista Del Mar rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Jamie Dornan. My huge thanks to Jamie for taking the time to talk to us, particularly stepping in at the last minute. I am forever in your debt, sir. Barb and Star is available to watch on home entertainment formats now and is just a tonic, I have to say, in these troubled times. 
If you want to hear my conversation with Emma Forrest about Untogether that we talked about, or indeed any other of our 240-odd episodes, then head to edithbowman.com. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel too, where I'm putting together a regular show as a companion piece to this podcast. Coming up in the latest episode, uh, we will have Murray Gold, we'll have Vigo Mortensen, but you can check out previous episodes, which include Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Next up, I am beyond thrilled to welcome back to Soundtrack the one and only Steve McQueen. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, stay safe, folks. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.